0: To stand in awe means to stand in amazement. It means witnessing something or experiencing something that you've never seen before. And then to add to that, it means I don't even know how you did it. I don't even know how you made this come to be. So I stand in amazement. pure amazement it sounds like so many of you have been amazed by the things that god has done for you how many of you are amazed by the things that you have seen god do and it not necessarily was for you but you see what he has done for someone else and you just stand in awe come on let's give him another praise for being an amazing god an amazing God. Oh your neighbor, he's amazing. He's amazing. He's amazing. He is amazing. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you. God, you preach through the, the ministry of music. We thank you for reminding us about the power of your blood that was shed by Jesus Christ. Thank you for reminding us that no matter how high we go or how low we fall, your blood reaches wherever we are. Thank you for that reminder, dear God. Thank you. It reminded us how that blood washed us white as snow. We thank you, God, for, for, for your ministry of music and Reminding us of how awesome you are. So awesome that we are often left speechless. Because we are totally amazed as to how you move. And so Lord, we thank you and we give you glory and we give you honor. And now God, as we come to this time of your worship celebration. As we come to this time of sharing your word through the preach word. I pray dear God for a fresh anointing. A fresh, a fresh anointing up upon this message, a fresh anointing upon me, your vessel, because I cannot do anything without you. Please, God, lead and direct. I pray that you prepare the hearts and the minds of our congregation as we sit to, to hear your word. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Let the church say, amen, amen. 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 If you would turn with me, please, um, to Proverbs, the 13th chapter, verse 22. I'm just going to read one verse. It's Proverbs 13 and 22. I'm reading from the NIV version. And it reads, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. So when to look at the first part, the A part of it, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. for their children's children. This morning we want to um, continue our conversation if you will, our sharing about raising Jesus children in America. We want to talk today about thinking generationally. Thinking generationally. You may be seated. So we're just going to talk today. This is not, um, as you know, these last couple of messages, they're not. um, We're just having a conversation. Amen? Amen? We're going to have a a practical conversation, but it's an essential conversation because it, it, it will greatly impact our children's future. And since we have the sole responsibility that God has given us, the responsibility of training up our children in the way that we should go, then we have to be prepared, as you will, in doing what we need to do to get our children on track. And as I had shared before, we, there are obstacles that we do need to deal with, particularly because we are a people of color. But when it comes to thinking about generations, the Bible has a lot to say about how God thinks and speaks generationally. Psalm 105, it says, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness is to all generations. Numbers 14 and 18, The Lord is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children to the third and the fourth generation, meaning that if we don't straighten some stuff out, As parents, it passes on to the next generation. Certain behaviors can pass on to the next generation. Psalm 103, 17 says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's children. Psalm 78 and 3 and 7 tells us that we are to declare this, to tell the coming generation, the glorious deeds of the Lord, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn who should arise and tell them to their children. So God identifies, he speaks to us and he he identifies um, uh, generationally, he identifies himself as a multi-generational God. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He instructed Moses to tell the Israelite, this is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. So God's vision is multi-generational. And he is always thinking and speaking from a generational viewpoint. Therefore, when God speaks to us, when he is guiding us, when he has delivered us out of some things, when he has given us revelation about about himself and about certain situations, he is not only just talking to you, but he's talking to and what he has done is not just for you, but it's for you and your children and your children's children because your deliverance is just not about you. It's about those who follow you. revelation that comes to you is not just about you being getting some revelation. It's so that you can pass it on to the next generation. So again, he's not doing it for you. He, he's doing it and thinking in terms of how it can impact the next generation. So when it comes to raising up Jesus' children in the way that he or she should go, God wants you and I to think and to make decisions in the present that will impact the generations to come. Here's the thing. God desires there be an intergenerational transfer of blessings, resources, property, value, and legacies that will continue until Jesus comes back again. That's the charge that you and I have, the mandate. But again, in spite of that charge, or maybe I should say in light of that charge, for people of color, the playing field isn't even. And we're not always playing with the same set of rules. However, in spite of being denied, being refused, um, deprived, oppressed, and depressed, our parents and grandparents and ancestors before them still thought and behaved generationally. They still made decisions generationally. The houses that they built, the land that they bought, They didn't just buy it for them, but when they bought it, they bought it to pass it on to the next generation. Big Mama's house was for the next generation. The land was for the next generation. You have families who have bought large acres of land so that when their children grew up, they had some place they could build their home. It was generational. They were thinking generationally. And so... They, and, and it goes all the way back to, to our ancestors who were in slavery. They did what they could do to try to keep their children off of the auction block. As difficult as it was, and even though they had so, did not have much control, they still did what they could do to try to keep their children off the auction block. Because even now, we've got to find a way to keep our children out of modern-day slavery. And the slavery we're looking at nowadays is not necessarily being someone owning us per se, but there is an and uh, we are being kept in, in bondage. We can, there are traps that are out there that can hold us back. And so as we look at even from, from, a, from the slavery standpoint, I was reading a case where the slave family was a family of slaves. And what they did was they pulled together to put their money together and they did what they had to do to, because there was a woman in their family who was of childbearing age. And what they did, they had an opportunity to buy her freedom. They sacrificed their own freedom by putting their money together in order to purchase the freedom of the woman who was of childbearing age. Why did they do that? So that the child that she gives birth to would not be born in slavery, but will be born free. That was called sacrificial They didn't just save up for their own freedom, but they were thinking toward the future. What do I do now that's going to impact the future? What do I have to give up so that my children can have a better place in this life? What do I have to walk away from in order for them to have a better place? So the family was thinking generationally. But here's the other thing. Sometimes... We don't always have that to give away. And sometimes we don't always have that money and slaves didn't always come across. It was only a few who got out there and buy their, and buy their freedom. And sometimes the only thing you can give is a legacy. And that legacy to go left to them was the legacy of hope. That hope that one day they're going to be free. And you and I have that charge, that same charge today. And the question that we want to ask is, what are we doing right now? What are we doing in this moment? What are we doing on this day that's going to prepare for the next generation and the generations to come? Can we have some real talk today? Thinking generationally, we got to begin with the basics. And that's knowing the difference between a couple of things. We need to know the difference between what it means being rich and what it means to be wealthy. We also no need to know the difference between what is an inheritance and what is a legacy. When we get these basics down, it will help us and we create a platform for us as we, as, we make, as we make decisions, not only for ourselves, but for our children and for our grandkids. So first thing, let's talk about the difference between being rich and wealthy. There's a big difference between that. And one is better than the other. In fact, it is better for our children to be wealthy than to be rich. we got to deal with some facts first. Is that all right? So as I was preparing for this message, of course, it was taking some research. So I was looking back and I saw this article that was in in the December 18th edition of Forbes magazine. And it said this. The historic impact of racism and slavery in the black community continues, continues to have a long-lasting effect on the economic growth of African Americans. Catch this part. It will take the African American community 228 years to close the wealth gap between whites and blacks. 228 years to close the gap. However, and I'm just throwing this part in, however, even though we're that far behind, let me get back to the article, although we are still struggling financially, we, African Americans, are still spending money and currently have a one2 trillion dollar buying power. We are driving, we are the leading consumers. We are buying stuff. So, in light of the fact that black buying power comes stems in part from this, our buying power has increased from a couple of things. Number one, there are more black-owned businesses, as well as there has been an increase, if you will, um, in education among African Americans, which in turn is going to lead to a higher income. So we're making more money. We're being more ed- better educated. But in spite of all of that, there is still a historically high unemployment rate. So we still have a high unemployment rate. Even though we have a high unemployment rate, where a number of our members in our community are not employed, we are still at the top of the charts of buying stuff. I need y'all to let that sink in for a minute. In other words, we broke. I might as well call it what it is. We broke, but we're still spending money. <laughs> so you wonder how that could be. There's a difference between rich and wealthy. So now I want to talk about the rich people. I still need to keep what I just said in mind, but now we're going to move over to the rich people. The rich people are the ones who got some money. They drive nice cars, live in good homes, nice homes. Wear the best clothes. I mean, you know, they just be ragging. Got the latest technology, whatever comes out with Apple or whoever, they got that, they they got it, they're on it. However, with rich people, if you look at their checkbook, you'd be surprised that they're living paycheck to paycheck. $100,000 jobs, but you're living paycheck to paycheck. And they're carrying a whole lot of debt. And because they're using their money on expensive homes, expensive cars, expensive clothes, and we're digging ourselves in debt. Rich, but we're in debt. That just sounds like it shouldn't, shouldn't work, right? It just sounds like it shouldn't go. And, 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 and they find themselves carrying very little, if any, savings for any kind of emergency. I mean, no, ain't nothing worse than all of a sudden you need a new set of tires. And you weren't even factoring that into the. You weren't even trying to go there. So rich people can have a lot of money, but they can be broke and in debt. The same is true for middle- to low-income people, especially on the lower end. We buy what we can't afford. We're buying $200 Jordans. And our kids don't even have $200 in the bank account. You understand what I'm saying? So let me just add, let me just add this piece that some people are living paycheck to paycheck legitimately. And what I mean by that, they may have had a loss of job, there may have been a reduction in hours, there could have been an illness that set them back. You know, sometimes things do pop up you don't have any control over. And that can put you into a a position where you're living paycheck to paycheck. I'm not talking about them people today. I'm talking about living paycheck to paycheck, and it's nothing drove us there, not in an emergency or anything. It comes from how we use our money. So for for a rich person living paycheck to paycheck or a person spending money on what they can't afford, what they're doing is all about buying things. It's all about possessions. It's all about appearances. I remember back back when, when, when this show first came on, the real Housewives of Atlanta, y'all remember that? I think they're still on, I'm not sure. When they first came on back in the day, when they first came on, three out of the four of them ladies were struggling financially. But they were living large. Amen? They were living, they were living large. They, they were in these big, beautiful homes. They were driving these nice cars. They were, they were always going out to eat somewhere, and they were always having dinner somewhere, always had their little glass of wine, and they were just, they were just hanging out, and, and, and they always had the designer clothes. And so when you look at the fact that they had these beautiful homes and living large, but it was still broke, it means one of two things. Either they didn't know how to manage their money, or what they were doing, they were using their money in overspending in an attempt to keep up an image, and to boost their self-esteem. It was one of two things. So you don't know, Either you don't know how to manage it, or I'm buying because I want to impress people. I'm buying because I want people to think I'm doing well. I'm buying and, and, and because I want to have a certain image, and it makes me feel good when I can have the best and wear the best, even though I'm broke. So that's what was what's happening to them. So this, what this means is being rich doesn't mean you can't go broke. Being rich doesn't mean you are not overwhelmed about debt, and it doesn't exempt, being rich does not exempt one from living paycheck to paycheck. So being rich is not the thing. What we need to train up our children that it is better to be wealthy than to be rich. Now, what is the difference about that? Being wealthy isn't about how much money you make. It's about how much money you keep. That's the difference. It's not how much money you make, it's how much you keep. You can have a person making $60,000 and somebody making $100,000, but that $60,000 one could be wealthier than the one who's making $100,000. It's a matter of what you keep. It's what you hold on to. So it uh, it means having your money make money. How many of you would like to have your money make money? Yeah. You want your money to make money. You want, you, want it to, you, want, you, you want your money to be making money while you're sleeping. While I'm sleeping. Wealth is measured in time. Wealth means you being able to enjoy the things you want to do and without worrying about whether or not you're going to have enough money to pay B, G, and E. Wealth means that if I have to miss a few days from work, I'm not going to sweat it because I got an, I got some, I'm covered. Because I'm not living at the maximum of my earnings. So, well-managed money, well-managed money going to give you options. How I many of you know, y'all know, money gives you options. Right? The more money you have, and if you're managing, right, you got more options. You can choose, you, you have more options to where you're going to live. You have more options as to what you're going to drive. You have more option as to where you go. You have more option as to where your children are going to be educated. Because money gives you what? Options. You want to have some options. And so building wealth is one thing that we have to teach our kids. All right, so I'm going to move into some more real talk. Y'all with me? I told you I wasn't going to shout off of this, okay? So here's the thing. As we're leading and guiding our children, especially those, you have to start in an early age, but especially those who start in high school, getting ready for college, we need to get ready to gear them up. It really starts before that, because here's the thing. Building wealth begins with a good education. Bottom line. And we're in a country where education is free. And because education is free, and because having a good education is the foundation for building wealth, that's why we as parents and grandparents need to make it our business to ensure that our schools are educating our children correct properly. Amen? We, we, we shouldn't be absent parents from school. What I mean is, is that when there's parent-teacher's conference, or what, your, that your child's teacher should know you on a first-name basis. Because, see, for us, for us, education is imperative. We gotta have it. If we're going to move on and grow, in the next, grow to the next level, we have to have that education. Let me tell you why. By 2020, that means next year, by 2020, 65% of the jobs that will be available will require the person to have a post high school uh, educational training. That means high school diplomas don't work like it used to be when I came out of school. When I came out of school, you could get a high school diploma and you could get a good job. That doesn't work anymore. A high school diploma by itself doesn't work. You have to make sure that our children are going to receive some type of training, either they're going to college Either they're going to a technical or training school where they're going to get some particular skill, or they're going in the military where they can learn something, and so that can get a marketable skill, and so that they can make it in this world. Because if they don't have it, they're not going to make it. That is the reality. And until that reality sinks in, we will continue on the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck and trying to make it. But somewhere along the line, that generational curse has to be broken because we got to start with our kids right now on what needs to be done. On what needs to be done. Let me just put up a few figures so that you know. Right here, living in Anne Arana County, I want to give you some realities here. Anne Arana County is one of the most expensive counties in the, in this, in the state. And when I was looking, I think it was running like 18, 19 nationally. That's saying a whole lot. So, I want to show you something. I want to show you some figures for uh, uh, a household. Now, since the majority of households are now single with children, I want to give you what it needs in order for you to make it. Do we have my numbers here? First one. You see what that's there. One adult... With one child, need to make at least twenty-eight dollars and eighty-five cents per hour, or sixty thousand dollars a year. That's one adult, one child. In order to make it to live, that means living in Anne Arundel County means you you're going to be paying for um, childcare, and and everybody who paying for childcare, my heart goes out to you. It really does. It goes out to you. You got to pay for childcare. That means you are able, having, making this amount of money means I am able to support myself without outside support. Without outside support. I don't need WIC. I don't need, a, I don't need a daycare voucher. I don't need any of those things. I can take this and I can make it. That's one child. Now, if I have two children, the number up? $33.21 now. Now I need to make $69,000 a year. Let's do one adult and three kids. $40.85 an hour. These are the numbers we need to be shooting for. Do you hear what I'm saying? Don't look at it as discouragement. Look at it as a goal. Because this is where we got to be shooting. This is where we got to aim our children that if you're going to make it, this is where we need to land. And it can't be just driving around. You got to have a plan so that you can land where you need to land. And, 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 and these are the figures for 2018. By the time the child graduates from high school, what is the number going to be? That's just 2018. I hope you're getting the picture that we have here. But here's the other thing, too often we end up struggling or in debt because we don't have the training, we don't, have the tra- we don't understand finances, we don't have the training, we don't have the, the education, if you will, or the training for a well-paying job, we don't know how to manage our money, or, and or, and we're starting our families too soon. I, I can speak to that one when you start your family too soon. Even as married couples, you can start family too soon, okay? So we started family too soon, but we, still, we were still carrying around some debt, all right? We, we were doing crazy stuff, but we thought we was being adults. We didn't know we were being crazy. <laughs> Two car loans, but we getting married, y'all. Went got an apartment, we need some furniture. We ain't buy the furniture, All right, What did we do? Went on and put it on. Didn't even put it on layaway. We go get a loan. And what threw us in a downward spiral was we were not prepared for the unexpected. And the unexpected was me having to be out of work for like seven months with no pay. The unexpected came earlier than we expected. He's 37 now, but I'm just saying. <laughs> he used to get disturbed when I say that. It's like, well, you always put that out there, mom. Because <laughs> I use the best when I say, you know, you're two years older than what you're supposed to be, you know. <laughs> he hates it, but anyway. <laughs> so we, we have to build wealth. But, but let me just throw this in, you know, because we need the education and we need to do all that. But there's still a catch-22 to this thing here's the catch-22. So you got the person who said, okay, I'm going to college, and I'm going to get the education that I need in order so I can get the job. But here's the catch-22. Now they got a student loan. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm going to tell you. Sally Mae ain't nothing but a slave master. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I, I, I honestly I believe it's a racket. I honestly believe it's a racket. I don't know what it's somebody go up and bust that up. But anybody, who am I student loan people in here? Y'all know what I'm talking about. That wicked evil. It's evil. It's evil. It is. We We need to rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I mean, Really? Because here's the thing. There's the catch 22. The catch 22 is I need the education, but now I'm saddled with fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars that I need to pay back, and then they put this high interest rate on it. And then when I try to go and get it refi through somebody else, I gotta still pay the interest to the government. I'm gonna we'll tell you it's a racket. I think we need to fast and pray. I think we need to fast and pray, and we need to rebuke that demon. <laughs> Uh, so 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 how so it makes it even more difficult for the person for for that individual to get ahead because now they got the student loan and the student loan not paid off in five or six years. What is it, 10, 20, 25 years? 25 years. Just think you could be a grandparent by the time you finish paying your student loan that's crazy and so do you wonder why people don't want to go get another postgraduate they're not trying to go get their master's because i don't want the loan so that's the 22 but the thing of it is we still got to work with it amen but right now it is what it is the only advice that i can give is the best way is to do the best you can to not take as much loan out you know Go to school in-state, do what you need to do. I know it may not be the best thing, but you've got to kind of work it and try to do what you can do because, I'm going to tell you, it's, I be- it's demonic, it is really demonic. But we've got to do to take our kids to the next level. So, so, so we need to make sure that we are getting our children getting a good education. That is imperative, that is required. Start preparing now for our children. They've got to get a good education. They got to find that we got to make sure they're staying in school, doing what they're supposed to be doing, working on them grades. Do what you got to do. You got to do what you got, you have to do what you want to do. Pardon me. You have to do what you need to do now so that you can do what you want to do later on. The other thing to do is teaching our children wealth. And I know y'all know I'm gonna to have to go here because it's the truth, it's the fact, it's 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 a it's a principle that if we can teach our children while they're young. It will set them up for the rest of their days. And that is teaching our children and showing our children the principle of tithing. It is. Yeah. I, I'm not looking for no big applause on that. But it's the truth. It's the truth. Because God has an economy that is so different from man's economy. God's economy really doesn't make sense. But then again, God didn't ask us to figure him out. He said to do what? Trust him. He gives gives us a way so that we aren't always struggling. There is a way. And and, 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 and I, I, the reason why I sometimes struggle with bringing and talking about tithing is because, I, you know, I sense it's like, oh, well, she the pastor, she's supposed to say that. Oh, well, you know, the pastor, they, you know, they're always looking, she and Pastor Queen, they're always looking for some money or whatever the case may be. <laughs> pastor Queen is always looking for money, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give a hand across, but Pastor Queen is back. <laughs> he's back. I don't know if he's supposed to be back, but he is here. But what, but, but what, it's, it's like this. If someone were to tell you, I know exactly where you can go to get a million dollars, what would you do? <laughs> you go get it, wouldn't you? Maybe that wasn't a good example because we ain't going to give it to you. If somebody were to say to you, if somebody were to say to you, I will protect your income, your finances from from now until Jesus comes back, what would you say? If he said, I will protect you. If if, if somebody said, I will protect you, I will keep you. I will keep you. I, I will bless you. What would you do? If he said, if he said, I, I will bless you. I will show you some things that you can't even begin to imagine. If somebody were to come to tell you that, what would you do? Would you just say, Oh well, and walk away? What would you do? Would you say, tell me? Wouldn't you? I need y'all stop faking and stop me pretend y'all know good and well. You be telling me, show me where the money is. I know you. Yeah, you would. The point of the, what I'm trying to say is, is that's exactly what God is telling us. He's saying, I can protect you. I can protect your finances. I can cover you. That if you lose your job or it's a downsizing, I can help take care. I can cover you if there's a, 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 a you dealing with an illness that's going to take some finances away. I can, I will take care of the devourer over you. Who in the world wouldn't want that? But there is a catch to it the catch is, if you want it, you have to trust him enough to give up 10%. Oh, God Almighty. I'm just saying, that's what he's saying. He said, you got to trust me enough and I will do this for you. But you know what? If you don't, keep struggling. You got a choice. You can struggle with me or you can do it without me. But if we teach our children that principle, if we set them up now, they won't be afraid that when, they're, when, they're, when their salaries increase, that they don't start sweating because now I'm giving the church a whole, I'm, you know, I'm passing a whole lot of money on. You know, it's one thing giving 10% off of a $1,000. There's another thing them 10% off $100,000. Everybody stop looking in, you know, like, whoa, wait a minute. Do you follow what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you agree to what I'm saying? <laughs> all right, all right. If you said you agree, the Lord heard you. Uh-huh, I got you. I got you. The Lord heard you. All right. But that's the thing is that we, we have to teach our children that because it sets them up. I mean, and, how, and this is how they set them they learn. They learn how to live off less. Because when you teach them how they're tied, they automatically learn how of how to live off 90 percent instead of 100 percent. And then we take it a step further: It's that okay? You give God his 10 percent, and now you give yourself 10 percent to save. And now the child learns how to manage and live off 80 percent of their income. They are now set up for life. Set up for life. Because they now have that principle ingrained in them, and it has positioned them because they're learning how to manage their money God's way. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. So lastly, I want to talk about the difference between leaving an inheritance and a legacy, leaving an, an, an inheritance and a legacy. An inheritance an inheritance is, is our wealth to the next department. Gen- an inheritance is passing our wealth. To the next generation. It's it's passing things, it's passing money, resources. It's it's giving your child a springboard so that our children don't have to start from the bottom financially, but they have something they can build on because they they because what of what we have left them. And 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 it helps them and when we leave an inheritance. You know, again, it's, it's giving an eye, it's giving a, a, a springboard, it's helping our children to begin in the next generation. A, a legacy is different from an inheritance. The difference between the two is that a legacy is what you put into a child. It's, what, it's the values you put into their lives. It's the things that you teach them. It's imparting wisdom to them. It's, it's, it's giving them something to stand on. How many of you remember, can think about things that your, your parents have said to you and your grandparents have said to you, and you carry it to this day because you remember what they have taught you? That's, that's a legacy. It, it helps to, to guide you. So an inheritance, again, is, is money. It's the family house. It's, it's cars. It's the material things. Um, but the, here's the thing about an inheritance. An inheritance can run out. You can you 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 can lose an inheritance. You you can spend up an inheritance. And we, we know that's true by just in the Bible, look at the prodigal son. He he got his inheritance and he spent it. He lost all of it. He went back home without anything. And so so an, an inheritance you can lose, but a legacy you can't lose. Because, again, it's it's not material. Legacy is what you place in that child. Think of it this way. An inheritance is like you giving a child a fish. A legacy is teaching the child how to fish. That's the difference between the two. Teaching our children how. So God calls us to leave both an inheritance And a legacy. And and it's it's giving them some roots. It's it's giving them some wings so that they can live successfully long after you are gone. We want our children to be able to make it when we're not here anymore. One of the passages in scripture, I think is in Proverbs, might be in Proverbs, I should have looked it up again. It says, The children, we should, the children should not have to pay for to bury us. but we should have it set up for ourselves. Amen? So, as we're raising kids up and raising, as we call this title, Jesus' children in America, as we conclude, the the point of this whole message series was just to nudge us, to wake us up, to remind us that yes, God has given us this mandate, but we as a people have more obstacles and challenges to deal with. That is a reality. But there is another reality, and that is that we have a God who we serve who can help us overcome whatever challenges that we have. So then if you can receive that, I just pray that you just stand to your feet now and just give the Lord a uh, praise and thanking him. Our decision councils are coming forward. As they're coming forward, let us let us let us, um, let us do um, the first Christian way. We just want to check to to see if you. If anyone near you, needs to come to Christ and need to know who Jesus is. Because to become a Jesus child, no matter what your age may be, you have to be in a relationship with him. And so we just want to make sure this morning and ask this morning if there's anyone here in this congregation who's under the sound of my voice and whether or not you've had a relation, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And if you don't, we invite you to come down now to meet with our decision counselors, and they will be more than happy to give you the plan of salvation. So, First Christian, you know what you do. Check with your neighbor in front and behind. Ask them, if you will, minister to them. and Do you know who Jesus is? Also, ask them about restoration. Are you standing in need of restoration, or do you want to be baptized? Extend that invitation to your neighbors who are around you. I extend it to you. Some of y'all ain't said nothing to nobody, so. <laughs> you don't care if they go to heaven or go to hell. That's what that ball down to. <laughs> so if you really care about the, where they're going to go, will you please check with your neighbor and then ask them, are you good? Because I don't want you to go to hell on my account. Okay? Got me looking at y'all. Everybody, all right, that's a little bit better. (laughs) Last thing we need somebody in hell say, I'm here because the person next to me didn't ask me, well, now I want to be saved. (laughs) Salvation is a serious matter, though, even though we're joking, it's serious. And we don't want anyone, we want everyone to have an opportunity to receive Him. Amen. Amen. We want to pray for our children. Amen. We prayed for them last week. We want to pray it again because there's just so much going on. There's so much going on. So, if, if you don't mind, I want to ask Pastor Durrell, would you mind if we come and if you have a child here, I'm going to ask, would you bring your children down to the altar here? And, and even if you don't have a child, then you just make sure you put that child's name up. You need a microphone. There we go. Amen. And while they're coming, and reason we just want to bring our children in and just pray for our kids It's because, as we shared last week, there's just so much that's in them. Amen. It is, it, they are packed with hopes and dreams and visions. And, but more than importantly, they are packed with destiny. Packed with it. And God has given us this awesome responsibility to help them unpack, help them to discover. But we also need to pray and cover them, watch over them. Because there's so many challenges out in front of them. Stuff that we didn't used to have to deal with. We didn't have to deal with social media. With so much they have to deal with. And on top of that, then, then we got to deal with what color we are. And that's a reality. But at the same time, as I said earlier, but we serve a God who is just awesome. Equalized. He's awesome. And no matter what the obstacles that we may have in front of us, he can help us to overcome them. So, you know, if you're looking to go to college, let me tell you, there's a saying, that if God gives you a vision, he will make a provision. He will make a way. So don't, when we talk to our children, make sure we talk to them. They may not can tell you right now what they want to be. Good Lord, I was 20 years old, student didn't know what I want to do. That's true. You know what I mean? But what we're saying is we need to make sure we are directing them and saying, look at here, when you go look for a job and getting ready for the future, we need to be guiding them and go like, you need to be in a position that's going to help you get some money. You understand what I'm saying? See, even though you might want to be a rapper, in the meantime, how about we go to school and get some education so you can rap part-time and until that rapping game kicks off, you know, it can support you. But in the meantime, let's have a backup plan. And the backup plan is you're going to need something that's going to put some money on the table and not just a little bit. What is going to sustain you? You get what I'm saying? What's going to, what is going to help you get to that target of $60,000? It's a little less. You don't need that much if you don't have any kids. But I trust and believe by the time you grow up, you're going to need that and more if you buy by yourself, living by yourself. Because everybody in here, how much is rent nowadays? Okay, enough said. You paying rent, you might as well pay mortgage. Yes. Because there is no difference. Okay? There's no difference. And so we just need to make sure that we, we impart that to our children. And as we are moving that along the way and for our children to get it, we need you to get it. We need you to get it, too. So dream big. Dream big. You want to own a business? What's stopping you? Dream big. Just make sure the business is going to make you some money. You know what I mean? You don't want a business that I mean you want to follow your passion, you want to enjoy it, but goodness knows you gotta eat. Amen? Amen. So we're gonna ask Pastor Durrell if he would pray for you. But I just hope you just take this to part and just listen and move forward so that you can make it and so into to the parents, the parents, we have the role model. And if we're pushing our children for education, guess what we gotta do? Can I get some real talk here? If we haven't finished our high school diploma, do it. We got enough role models in this church that can show you you can get it done. Show them by doing it. Go get your diploma. Get what was supposed to be yours in the first place. Don't let your age, oh, I'm too old, or oh, I'm too Don't let that stand in the way. What age you got to do with it? Not a thing. Go get it. You won't go back to school. Don't let me discourage you by student loan. <laughs> <laughs> but the Lord will make a way. He will. He'll make a way. Do it. Show your kids. Sit down with them and have a meet. Have a family meeting. We're going to talk about how we're going to build some wealth around here. We're going to talk about how we're going to get out of debt. We're going to talk about how we're going to stop living paycheck to paycheck. So that means you might have to give up some stuff. All right? We may not can have HBO. We might just have to stick with just a little stick that you stick in the phone on the TV. We just might have to do what we got to do so that we can do what we want to do later on. Is that all right? All right. Amen. Pass it around.
1: Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we look out through this congregation, Lord, we see a lot of young people who have visions inside of them. They have greatness inside of them. And we know, Father God, that they are in the right place to have that vision fertilized with love, hope, and guidance. We thank you, Lord, for their parents and guardians that brought them here and bring them here every Sunday because that's where it starts. Lord, they have to know the great equalizer to the world's things, and that is you. Father God, your greatness and blessings are greater than anything that Sally May can put in front of them. Because I've seen it, Father God. Your math is better than the world's math. Please, Lord, first of all, let them trust you
0: mm-hmm.
1: to move in the path that they need to move in. That is the first step. Let them know, Father God, that yes, they will have some challenges along the way, but that's only to make them appreciate what they're going to do in the future. Bless them right now, Father God. Protect them. Keep them, Father God, on the trail that you have destined them to go on. Help us as parents to realize, Father God, that we can pray only so much, but they have to walk those tough Mm paths because that's why they're going to appreciate it when they get there. Keep them safe. Father God, whatever the enemy has for bad, turn it into good. Let them use social media, Father God, not for negativity, but for research. To look at positive stories. To read about young eight-year-old homeless boys who are winning chess championships. Yes, yes, yes. This is the reality that is out there before them, Father God. Let them grab hold to those stories and let them know that that is them. Mm -hmm. Not can be, that is them. You have called them, Lord. You said in your word in Jeremiah that you have a path for them. So they are already successful. So just help us to move them in the direction that you have already called them to go in. Lord, continue to give favor on their parents and their guardians. Allow them, Father God, to have that same mentality, Father God, that our generational slave, great-great-grandfathers and grandmothers had, that they would sacrifice just for the sake of the next person coming up. Let that type of love continue to flow in this church with these guardians and these parents, Father God, because that's what it's going to take. Yes, Lord. And then, Lord, we thank you in advance for all of the testimony that we will hear, that we will celebrate, because we know that your word will not go void, Father God. We will see the reaping of all of the harvest for everything that these young people will do moving forward. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: As you remain in place, we're just going to give the benediction while you're here. Come on, let's give the Lord another hand. Praise and thank you, Pastor Durrell. Amen. Let us look to the Lord to be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, dear Lord. We thank you for all of your blessings. We thank you for what has transpired, within these these sanctified walls. And now, dear God, I pray that as we leave this place, each and every person who's under the sound of my voice, that we will leave out here being a witness to you, that there's someone we can witness to. So I pray that you will bless them and keep them now, henceforth, and forevermore. Let the church say amen, 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 and amen. God bless you all. How How you doing?